You know what I think is a compelling podcast? It's a podcast that doesn't sound like a podcast. And I know that's a really okay. goofy answer, but if it sounds like a, two people talking or three people talking and they're having this conversation that there's a, a, a genuine back and forth of information, that's what makes the best podcast. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is the second part of my interview with Joe Partavila. Being nosy, which I think is a, a good attribute to have mm. as an interviewer, when was there a time where you were nosy and you got an answer that you weren't expecting? <laughs> yeah. Well, th yeah, this is funny. So uh, we luckily had a lot of celebrities come into the to the room and uh, talk to us. And I remember one was Chris Martin. And Chris Martin had just divorced Gwyneth Paltrow. And he talked about how he was feeding his kids lunch one day. And he said, you know, so I'm, my English accent is terrible, but, you know, so I was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with, to the kids this morning and blah, blah. And I stopped him. I was like, wait a minute, Peter, this is Chris Martin, who was famously married to Gwyneth Paltrow, who anyone knows anything about Goop and her lifestyle brand. It's all about healthy living and everything's got avocado in it or, you know, everything well, is super healthy. He's famous in his own right. So <laughs> he's, he's famous in his own right. But in terms of like lifestyle and like yes. what they put in their body, like we know where Gwyneth Paltrow is coming from. So yeah. you assume Chris Martin feeding his kids would be the same thing. So I stopped him mid sentence. I'm like, what do you mean? Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Gwyneth Paltrow's kids eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And he looked sort of like he was it, it, he was more befuddled than everything else. It was like, yeah, they're kids. They eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And again, that created this sort of like really human moment for people because, you know, the, the, the Quentin Paltrow's and Chris Martin's of the world have such an air about them. This this sort of like better than everybody, <laughs> better than everybody else vibe. But to get that out of them, that like his kids are just like normal kids is kind of a really cool little side story that really just hadn't had nothing to do with anything but the fact that i was really paying attention to what he was talking about that he was able to just go into his relationship with his kids and how they're it could be the spawn of the biggest celebrities on the planet but they're just like any kids out there yeah kids are kids i love that yeah yeah <laughs> and nosiness is a big part of it because i feel like when it comes to questions and when, when you come up with the, whatever topics you want to discuss on a, on a show it's like what's the point like if you don't, if you're not curious about the person and want to know everything you can about them to a certain extent, obviously, what's the point of like having the conversation? Like it just people just going back and forth and just, you know, just go ahead and do just an hour chat about the weather or, you know, the last time they went to, you know, Cancun. It's just there's nothing there. It's just really just getting to know the person and getting to know. I don't like to use these kind of phrases, but get to know what makes them tick, like let them to know what inspires them. What, what, what kind of, what is their life like? What, what makes them do make the decisions they decide to make? And um, that's to me the, the biggest part of being nosy and whether it's doing a podcast or whether you're bumping into someone on the street, because people love to talk about themselves. I mean, that's one of the things you will come to realize Jody. And I'm sure you know this from your years of experience. It's like people, a lot of people like to hear themselves talk, um, but they need the opportunity. They because they really can't just start talking about themselves in the middle of the street. They may end up with a 5150 hold. But if someone <laughs> decides to ask them about them, they have an audience and sure. an audience of one is plenty big for most people.
That's why you go on podcasts. <laughs> that's right. Let me tell you. <laughs> that's why I'm here, Jody, just to hear myself <laughs> just... talk. Just that. <laughs> well, when we're getting into conversations, just sort of moving on to kind yeah. of, I guess, the, the meat and potatoes, I guess, of the of the book, which I think will really help a lot of people who are podcasters or on the radio, for that matter. Yeah. Um, you mentioned four ways to ask the right questions in your book. Can you talk a little about that? Just because I thought it was a really important part and I'd like people to understand a little more about that. Well, I think what's super important, whether it comes to preparing for a date, job interview, uh, or doing a podcast, preparation is such a big part of like what you're going to be talking about. And it, I know it, it, seem, it can seem silly, but you'll have conversations with, with people. They'll be like, oh man, I'm going to go visit my father-in-law and I don't know what I'm going to talk about. You know, he's, he's this or that. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Of course, you know, you may not be the same age, have the same cares, but it's easy to find out about what that person likes to have a conversation about. You know, your father-in-law might like hunting. Your father-in-law might like golfing. Before that, before you get together with the father-in-law, look up the re most recent golf tournament. Find out what's going on in that world. Prepare yourself to be able to give that person the opportunity to share. Because more, more than likely, if he sees like the son-in-law come into the room and like, here we go. He's just thinking the same thing. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about this person. So I think people have to keep in mind, when you talk to someone about themselves, they also want to talk to you about yourself. And so you have to just reverse engineer that. Like, so if someone was going to talk to me, what would they talk to me about? And just think about it that way. The idea of caring what you're, the, what you're going to talk about goes a long way in every form of life, whether you do it professionally or in your personal life. Just caring enough about another person and their story that, I mean, that, that's what makes us all better people, because once you can understand other people, you can understand where they're coming from. I always, um, you know, I talk about self-awareness earlier, how I'm, I'm not, I wasn't very self-aware, but like to me, self-awareness is very important because if you can put yourself in another person's shoes, you can feel you can understand where they're coming from uh we live in a very polarized world jody i know you're up you're a neighbor to our north but here in america we're pretty polarized people everyone's the, polarized right now yeah <laughs> it's yeah, not only an american is. problem <laughs> but the reason being jody is because we don't we can't put ourselves in the other person's shoes and just for example um you know if say if you're environmentally conscious you'll see someone driving like this big gas guzzling truck if you are very judgmental, you may be like, oh, this person just doesn't care about the environment. He probably has guns. He's probably a redneck. He's probably he's probably uneducated. So you create this narrative of this person is, but you don't really think about like maybe that person when they were 10 years old had a horrible accident and they feel safer in a truck. Like I, I always used to be like, I used to always judge when I used to see soccer moms in like these giant SUVs and all you would see like the old George, George Carlin line, you should just see knuckles uh, in the driver's seat. And I would always be like, what's the point of them driving that? And then as I got older, I'm like, well, yeah, because they have kids in the car. They want to feel safe. And so most people would be automatically default to that. Oh, this person just doesn't understand how the climate is just being destroyed by me the man and we're not doing anything about it. So just stepping back and thinking about what that person's possibility or reasoning for doing something 
you know, it, you could put you could apply that to any kind of debate we're having today, whether it's about pro-life or guns or anything like that. Just put yourself in the other person's shoes. And I think if we did more of that, it would be a better place to live. And again, I'm not I don't want to create some sort of utopia where everything's perfect and there's no violence. I mean, that'd be cool, but we can at least try to get to know each other better. And that just means putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah, yeah. So coming up with questions in an interview, do you have like a go-to way that you figure that out? I mean, obviously research is part of that. Yeah. But uh, but what makes a compelling question? Yeah, you know what? One thing I, I really like to do, and I think part of research is look up old interviews, especially if the person's been doing interviews for a long time and compare how they answered a question five years ago as opposed to today. And I think that's a great way to bridge the gap and give someone sort of like a timeline and be like, hey, you thought like this in 2015, but in 2019, you said this. What brought you there? So it's just looking for patterns and connecting the dots and seeing what can become a compelling conversation. Um, I think looking up old interviews also give you an opportunity to avoid some of the same questions that a person is going. So it's uh, so that's one thing I always like. To, not that I'll ever listen to an entirety of an interview. I'll sometimes look at a transcript or just if they're on, um, you know, one of the late night talk shows. It gives you the opportunity to avoid the most obvious questions. So you'll see someone do a podcast interview and be like, oh, that person's answered that already. And the question wasn't the answer wasn't all that great. But the, also the great thing about that, though, Jody, is that if they do have a great answer, the your audience is not necessarily going to hear that answer. So you could it could be something as like, man, I heard you do this uh, interview the other day where you talked about X, Y, and Z. Can you just is that true? Is that real? Did that really happen? And then all of a sudden, your audience will hear this story. And it, it and doing it that way also puts you in the clear of like if, if the audience did hear it somewhere else, they'll be like, oh, that guy's just stealing another person's question. No, it's like, hey, can you just share that with my audience? Because not, you know, as much as we're all egotistical and feel like everyone, everyone's going to hear every interview I've ever given in my life, there's a pretty good chance that they're not. Like, that's why you'll see a lot of celebrities when they're doing junkets or doing talk shows. If they, they're pretty much going to have the same two or three anecdotes in every interview. But if you know that, that'll also give you a fresh way of looking at the interview. Like, all right, cool. This person is at, you know, it's always funny when you hear an actor give an interview about like how much weight they lost in a movie. 99% of their interviews will be about, oh, yeah, I lost 50 pounds for this film. Knowing that, reverse engineer that. Like, be like, okay, cool. Hey, I heard you lost a lot of weight for this movie. How, you know, how, do, how did that inform your character? Like, instead of it just being like, so does that mean you like, like ate one egg a day? I mean, nobody, at that point, they've ans answered that question a hundred times. But if you're able to take that question that's been asked a hundred times, do it sideways, as my old boss used to say. <laughs> That's a good I, saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, you do it sideways and you can get a different answer out of the person. I know we're all dealing with a lot these days, so I really wanted to acknowledge those that have gone out of their way to leave an honest review of this podcast. Millie Alto writes, Binge-worthy podcast. Great voice with great content makes it a delight to binge listen to and learn what you are missing in your advertising repertoire. They truly are hidden gems of marketing. It could be a whole new paradigm for how you strut your brand. Great point, Millie. I certainly agree that more people should be thinking about the sound that's associated with their brand. I have a whole podcast about it, in fact. Thanks so much for your review. And now back to the show. 
Well, I, I'm going to have to apologize for not being particularly original then here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I did want to ask Jody, you. It, hmm? but, but I will say in terms of the I will say about the uh, asking questions that they've been asked a lot. Sometimes mm-hmm. those are all, always good intro questions like early in the conversation, especially oh, sure. if you do have like 30, 45 minutes to talk to someone, throw some of those snowballs or, or softballs out there and then they'll get loosened up. So it, I wouldn't say avoid the obvious question, but, yeah. you know, use them early to get the person loosened up and then make them comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, they'll know the answer. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you also about your improv, because I know that mm. you did a lot of that. So why did you decide that you wanted to do improv? You thought that would help with your radio career or did it help with podcasting? Well, it's funny. It ended up helping my career and life. And I didn't realize it was going to. So I was always a fan of Saturday Night Live. I grew up with the the 80s cast of like Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo and the Billy Crystals of the world. Yep. And so I loved Saturday Night Live. But the idea of doing something like it is was seemed foreign to me. Like I wouldn't even know how to do it. Um, but in New York City, there, the, the rise of improv and sketch just exploded over the last, say, 20 years when Amy Poehler and a couple of guys from Chicago started what was called the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is this huge improv group that just took over the improv i mean they were the rocks they were the beatles of of improv comedy and so they started a school and a theater in new york where they taught people how to do long-form improvisation and i was at the point in my career in radio where what i mentioned earlier you just didn't have any time to like like self-improvement like you you know i couldn't read a lot of books back then because i was you know i had to go to bed early or just my brain just didn't have wasn't hardwired to read like you know, a 300 page book. So I was sticking to reading magazines and newspapers and clippings and stuff like that. So I, I, I made the intentional decision of like, I've got to try to better myself and do something that I'm going to enjoy. So the combination of me always wanted to get involved in sketch and improv and me being intentional about like, I've got to do something. I've got to take a class or something just because I can't just, it, it can't just all be the radio because the radio show and I, I and even though I, I loved the experience of it was basically a 24 seven job. Like even when I wasn't on the radio, I was thinking about content for the radio on the weekends. If there was news or, or a story that broke, I have to process that and make sure to be able to talk about it, discuss it, break it down on Monday morning. So I was always on and just needed something to turn off because the one thing you learn on improv is it's important to live in the moment and get out of your head. Like they talk about that all the time, get out of your head. And so I wanted to get out of my own head, signed up for these improv classes. And I really, really enjoyed it. I probably wasn't very good at it, but I really, really enjoyed it. And then so improv then went to sketch, which if people don't know the difference, basically improv is is, is the gateway drug to sketch comedy. Because what, what essentially happens is you become, you, you create premises of premises when, when you're performing with a partner. But with sketch, you're writing those those premises and then blowing it up into a sketch. So I ended up falling in with a sketch comedy group, which was an accident. I was taking a bunch of classes at UCB. And when you sign up for these classes, everyone's on an email list. So you can email, hey, let's, you, want, you want to practice on Thursday, five o'clock before class? Yeah. So uh, I was on this email list and all of a sudden one of the, the guys in my group said, hey, listen, we're... Um, we have a we, we're starting up this new, this new sketch comedy group. We're going to it's basically it's called uh, Express Lane, where we put on a show uh, in one week. We write all the sketches Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then perform them on Friday. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. 
And they write, they write me this letter and they said, hey, we're looking for actors. And you know, you're in your class. You seem like, you know what you're doing. Um, do, do you want to be an actor? And I'm like, sure. I'm an actor. Yeah, of course. I've been doing improv class. I've been taking improv classes for a year. Let me Why do not? that. Yeah. And of course I can run a marathon. The- <laughs> it's the same, right? Yeah. Uh, so I ended up uh, joining this group and we, we toured and played together for like three years. And it was one. Of, and like I said, one of the things I did learn from the whole process of improv and sketches, just being able to get out of your own way. Because with improv, you have to live in the moment. And I, and that's a big part of my book. It's a big part of like the conversations I have is just get out of your own brain. You can't be thinking about something else when you're doing podcasting or you're doing interviews or you're having a real conversation with someone. Um, I, I tell people, turn the phone off. Uh, have only one window open on your desktop. If it's a Zoom interview, just have that Zoom. Don't have all these things open. Have your phone uh, nowhere near you where you could possibly be enticed to go check it out. Just live in the moment. Get out of your own head. And I think that's the problem with a lot of conversations. People are so stuck in their own head, not just about what they're going to ask the person, but they're also thinking about, oh, I'm hungry. What am I going to eat later? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. think about it. What am so, I going to make for dinner? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, all that stuff needs to be completely out of your brain because yeah. it doesn't do justice for the person you're speaking to. And that was one of the things I accidentally learned. In imp- I didn't realize that that was one of the things I would I would learn in my training was this idea of just like living in the moment and just getting out of your own way. Yeah, it's actually one of the things that you learn in voiceover, too. So coaches mm. tell me that all the time. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's part yeah. of the training. <laughs> yeah, You're, you're living tough. in the manufactured moment someone else made. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, you know, it's so difficult because we're so distracted. It's so easy to be distracted yes. that we have to be really focused on not being distracted. Uh, I, w- I just true. read the book by Johan Hari uh, called Stolen Focus, how like tech companies are basically built to steal our focus. Like we have low attention spans because of these platforms and hardware devices that were built. So if you can avoid those things while you're having a conversation or recording a podcast, you will be much better for it. Yeah. And along those lines, I also wanted to ask you what you thought the most common problem was for podcasters that are interviewing people. And do you know how that could be fixed? Yeah. You know, one of the most common things, and it's funny we're talking about is the editing. That's super common. Like, I feel like people don't edit enough during a podcast. There are so many times. And again, this is me coming from Trestle Radio where every second counted. And I know podcasting, you let things breathe. But I'll I'll listen to a podcast where all of a sudden someone's dog starts barking like crazy and they just keep going (laughs) with the podcast. I'm like, just stop. You know, there's that like stop button. Go ahead and stop that. And then continue it's it's this is not this is not like some sort of like giant massive wave on the coast of hawaii that's going to come at you can you can press pause and stop let things pass and then continue i know that's it's it's very it's a very petty thing to argue about but i think it's important because especially if you are building a podcast audience it's important to have this sort of air of professionalism and i know a lot of podcasters really, really lean into like the organic, authentic nature of a podcast and they don't mind it. And it's, you know, it's real life. I'm like, yeah, it's real life. But why would you want pe- that's your real life? Why would you want people to be taken out of it? Because all I could think about when I hear a podcast where dogs are going crazy in the background, I'm like, what's wrong with that dog? Is that dog need to be fed? <laughs> yeah, is the yeah. dog injured? So why would you do that? Why would you distract the audience? It may not be distracting you, but it is really distracting the audience from the point of the conversation. So yeah. if I give any advice to any podcasters, don't I don't want you to Frankenstein your podcast where it's like there's edits every 10 seconds, which people can get you know, sometimes get caught up in. 
but just like edit the most obvious mistakes and clean things up. So, and and, and I'm telling you, this goes for, especially for the younger uh, generation of podcasters or people just starting out, regardless of your age, is like, as long as you sound professional, it's going to go a long way. Once you get down, once you get down the road and become a, a podcast rock star, sure. If, you know, there's dogs barking in the background, by that point, people are like, oh, that's, that's Jody's dog barking in the background. That's, you know, it, it, people will know who your dog is. But if you're like a nobody <laughs> yeah. and a dog's barking, they're just thinking something's wrong with that dog. Yeah. Yeah. And sound is important. I think that people don't understand quite how important the sound being good in a podcast yeah. actually is. You can get away with that on radio because it's radio, but yeah. you know, they're in a studio, right? You know, and, and yeah. people should at least have a quiet space, um, yeah. not be distracted, like you said, and actually have a separate mic and headphones. And, you know, these yeah. things are really important. So, yeah. And, yeah. One of my pet peeves too, Jody, over the last couple of years is people like using Zoom for podcasting. Uh, and I yes. tell people, Zoom was not made for podcasting. It's really not. It's it's a communication. It's like a telephone. It's a it's a communication app. That's all. It's not made to record audio to be shared to hundreds of thousands of people. It's just not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice to have that visual element when you're interviewing the person. But at the end of the day, the audio sounds awful. And I've heard so many really like good podcasters, like people who have like subscribers in the millions because they just either were too lazy or just didn't feel like finding another way doing like doing Zoom podcasts. And and uh, me being so like anal about it, I'm like, I, I can't, I just can't listen to that. It just, yeah, you've, it you've hurts gotta, my ears. It, yeah, it, it hurts <laughs> my ears too. So you've got to make the experience. Remember, we all, we've been talking about the experience that you want for your guests, but you also have to think about the experience for the audience. You want them to be able to be comfortable to hear something. What And so any kind of, any way, anytime you can avoid like the dog barking or the bad quality of a, of, of a Zoom interview, it's, it's like there's ways around that that are easily fixed that don't require like huge monetary investments or time investments. There's a lot of hacks you can do to make podcasts sound good. And again, not everyone's going to have their equipment. Like if you interview someone, not everyone's going to have a brand new Shure MV7 microphone or, you know, or they can have a Blue Yeti microphone. But, you know, as long as that person has, say, a quiet room, you're using a pretty good recording platform in itself to, to actually execute the podcast. You can find hacks to work around like some people's inability to have the equipment that's necessary because not everyone's going to have it. You know, as much as we want to be like, oh, cool, like everyone's got a microphone. Not everyone does, but you've got to do work on your end to make it so that the, the sound is going to be professional sounding and it's going to make you sound good because you don't want to be like I was just talking about like you don't want to be having someone pop on your podcast and then hear the audience be like I'm not listening to that click next podcast because yeah. there's a, a lot of podcasts out there Jody I don't know if anyone's mentioned that to you there there's, are there are a lot quite, of them yeah there's quite a few options so you want to <laughs> you want to give people that option to listen to it because it sounds good are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact you'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. 
And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. So what do you think makes a compelling podcast? Is it like um, the questions? Is it the answers? Yeah. <laughs> is it the sound? <laughs> yeah. You know what I think is a compelling podcast? It's a podcast that doesn't sound like a podcast. And I know that's a really okay. goofy answer, but if it sounds like a, two people talking or three people talking and they're having this conversation that there's a, a, a genuine back and forth of information, that's what makes the best podcast. I always tell people, and this is something I learned from radio, if you prep 10 questions for uh, for an interview, if you use one of them, that means that was a good interview. And it, it for people to be like, well, that makes no sense. You only asked one of your questions. Like, no, it meant that you rode the wave. You were you took the conversation where it was supposed to go in a very organic manner. So that to me, that's what makes a good podcast. And again, not everyone's going to know that you only prepared one question. But in turn, but that's I'm just internalizing it. But any but when that conversation happens, where it seems like there was nothing prepared and it just happens, those are the best. That's those those magic moments we're talking about. Those only happen because you're listening. You're giving people the safe space to communicate and you're 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 having this ex exchange of ideas that just sound like two people just talking. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's hard to do, actually. I mean, mm. you know, you can you can ride the wave. Definitely. You know, but I think that all of us are sort of fighting ourselves <laughs> to yeah. to not be the only person who's the star of our story. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like <laughs> yeah. It but that's why listening is big. Yeah, Joey, that's why listening is such a big part of it. Because exactly. if that if if your guest is giving you things that you didn't plan on talking about, take it, take those gifts yeah. and use those and then forget everything that you've prepared to talk about. Unless there's like some major thing you, you know, at the end of you'll be like, oh, hey, listen, before we wrap things up, I really got to ask you this question. But as long as you're able to have this conversation where it just feels like it's just a conversation that's going back to what I was talking about earlier. Just when it feels like a conversation, not an interview, that's great content. That's great audio content because it just is real. It yeah. just happened and we captured it on some sort of uh, technical device that records our sound and then we're able to fix it up later and then we get shared to the world instantly. That's pretty freaking awesome. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask you before we end this, because we're coming up on the on the end here and I want to be respectful of your time. You are uh, releasing your book soon, right? So, yes. Yeah. Is, is that what you're working on now? Is there more than that? Or you can talk yeah. about the book. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the book is available for pre-order now. I'm um, not sure when you listen to this, but if you, you search Good Listen on any of your book, uh, favorite bookstores, Amazon, Google, um, Barnes and Noble, uh, Apple Books, uh, readily available and it's you can also buy it on paperback and ebook and so that's what i'm working on now and you know i just recorded the audiobook which jody have you done audiobooks before i have not and there is a reason so i can imagine how difficult that was <laughs> yes i will talk about like hating the sound of your voice at the end of an audiobook you will despise the sound of your voice yeah people don't realize like how <laughs> difficult and the people that run like the producers of audiobooks man they are so, they are some tough nuts, man. Because if you read in, for example, like if you read in the the audiobook, you say like you are not there, and you say you're not there. They're like, no, 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 you've got to say that over. The book says you are not there, not you're there. So wow, it's, oh, really, yeah, even if it's, it's like your own book, <laughs> it, absolutely, you have <laughs> really? to do exactly to what's the audiobook has to be exact to what's in print. 
Uh, so it's and I've done books. I've done audiobooks for other people. And it's really, really hard when it's not your voice. When I was doing mine, it was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, it's me. It's my voice. I can. But like when you do other people and I'm sure what you, your voice work, it's like it's really hard to try to take someone else's words and make them sound natural. And that is oh, a yeah. really tough thing. <laughs> That's, to do. that's the training that's what yeah. that's what we get coaching for yes <laughs> absolutely so, easier yeah, when so, it's your own the, voice <laughs> <laughs> totally especially the, your words too i think that's yeah. like if it's written in your own language it's like we all have our own language of, of yeah. how we communicate so it makes it a lot easier so it's also available on audiobook so but i always tell people when people are like hey should i do an audiobook version i'm like make sure you're very very patient and have a lot of time because depending how long it, i think most audiobooks are like you know, 10 to 20 hours of actual audio when it's finished. That's the finished version. That's not all the stops and starts and redos you have to do later. Oh, yeah. So Add another four times on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, huge, huge time suck. Um, so, yeah. So, good listen available on all platforms. Um, and then I've got the podcast I do with Forbes Books. Uh, it's Forbes Books Audio. You could just search on any podcast platform where I interview CEOs and entrepreneurs and just have conversations about how they built their business and how they become leaders. It's it's funny because I never I came from this world of, interviewing like musical celebrities and TV and movie stars and then to work into the world of business where I might make a living now, but it's, it's not that different. Like, it's funny. It's not that different talking to a music artist as opposed to a CEO, because all the things we've been talking about in this podcast today, Jody, they all apply no matter what the content is at the end of the day, it's just a conversation and you can't overthink it. I've had these podcasts where I will start not even having any idea what this person does for a living like in terms of like how it works like how their company makes money like i'm not a business brain so i can't pro i don't have any mbas i barely i don't even have <laughs> i don't even have a ba i don't I, I my brain doesn't work in that world but i use these conversations to have these people inform me in how it works how do their business work how do they work as leaders and like i said it's all just about having a conversation with people and getting them to talk and letting them talk and sharing their story with you and then you feeding back your own take on things and that's what that's what works so me interviewing bruno mars is no different from me interviewing the ceo build a bear it's all the same thing sure yeah and just being curious i guess is part of mm. that because that makes you interested in asking the questions that maybe your yeah. audience might like to hear <laughs> yeah and so, you have to care i mean i use yes. the word care before like you really have to care it's important because if you don't care it's just Again, it's just like question, answer, question, answers like you don't. But if you're really curious and care about other people, and again, it's all about self-awareness, knowing what other people feel, you know, what people are going through. If that is the kind of human being you are, you will be a good podcaster. You will be able to create audio moments that will live on and on. And, and, and one of the things I like to tell people is like the great thing about podcasts is you put your podcast out there. It's out there for eternity. Like it is going to be out there forever. So make sure you're proud of it. And if yes. you are, it's like, cool, 20 years from now, someone might hear this podcast and be like, hey, that Joe Partavilla, <laughs> he, he seemed like a really nice guy. He died in that horrible plane crash. But man, oh, we have this, <laughs> but we have this podcast conversation where you and Jody share the, the importance of conversation. Mm hmm. Yes. Let's uh, let's hope that's not what they're saying 20 years from now. No. I'd, really, I'd really hope not. <laughs> yeah. Same here, Jody. I was just yeah. using it as an example of what could happen okay. in the future. Yeah. <laughs> so how can people get a hold of you if they would like to do that? 
Easily accessible, uh, Jody. I'm Joe Partavila on pretty much all uh, you know social media platforms: LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Those are my three favorites. I'm not a big Facebook person. I've kind of mm-hmm. tried to work my way out of the Zuckerberg world, even though I'm still on Instagram. But that's so mindless is po- posting a photo of stuff. But feel free to reach out to me, contact me. I'm all about like if people have advi- want advice. Not that I like to delve advice, but I can just share what I've been through, and that's sort of like the whole reasoning for the book. It's just like, hey, listen. Here's what I went through. Hopefully this stuff will help you. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I know that we probably could have gone another hour, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, thank you so much. This is really great. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for having me. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations until next time.